several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow There are a few industries in America that are more ecologically sensitive than wine production. For the past several years, grape growers and winemakers alike have gone to great lengths to make sustainability a reality, with the ultimate goal of giving more back to the land than is actually taken. Over the years, we've talked a lot about sustainability and outstanding stewardship of the land on Grape Encounters Radio. We've also talked about threats to the land that is so carefully safeguarded by the wine industry. In the eight years that Grape Encounters has been on the air, no story has raised more concerns than the challenge to the Finger Lakes wine region of upstate New York. While Grape Encounters Radio tries to focus on more lighthearted stories, the issue that has had the Finger Lakes on high alert for years now continues to keep winemakers, the tourism industry, and most importantly, the residents of one of the world's most extraordinary wine-producing regions on red alert. If you don't already know about the challenges facing the folks in the Finger Lakes, you're going to get a crash course on today's show. If you're aware of what's going on, then you're about to get the most up-to-the-minute update from two gentlemen who have literally led the charge to protect the people and environment in their communities. First, I want to welcome Dr. Joseph Campbell, a man who never imagined himself as an activist, but his concerns over the threats to his community became so great that he now serves as president of Gas Free Seneca. And if you're wondering what gas has to do with this story, sit tight, because what you're about to learn may awaken your desire to stand up and be counted. Dr. Joseph Campbell, hey, welcome to Grape Encounters. It's been maybe two years since we've had you on. How are you? Yeah, it was uh, almost two years ago in February of 2015 that I was on your show, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be back on your show, David. Well, you know, we've embraced this issue for a long time. I try not to get too political on this show, but this story is just too important, and I'm really sorry to say that it's dragged on for so long. Take us kind of back to the beginning and bring us up to date. I'd really appreciate that. Sure. Gas Free Seneca formed in January of 2011, so we've been fighting tooth and nail, okay, for six years, since we learned about plans from this um, out-of-state oil and gas corporation to repurpose unlined, abandoned 50, 60, 70-year-old salt caverns to store liquefied petroleum gas in the form of propane and butane at the time that this was first proposed. So the salt caves came about because they have for many years been mining salt in that area, right? You have some of the best salt in the country or in the world, really. Well, they're um, they're, they're mining um, pharmaceutical-grade salt over there. 
If you go in the hospital and you need a saline drip, you might have Seneca Lake salts pouring directly into your veins. Wow. So you can say, I've got Seneca Lake in my blood. So the salt caves had a purpose at one point in time, and now this gas company comes along and they go, wow, this is kind of a natural place where we could store this liquefied petroleum gas. That, to me, just on the surface, sounds really super scary. Is there a history of companies doing this, and have there been any ecological repercussions that we can talk about? Sure. There was a company called Texas Eastern that rented, basically, a couple of these salt caverns. And you have to understand that these were holes in these salt layers that were created by extractive industry mining for salt. They were never intended to store anything, much less highly pressurized volatile gases like propane and butane. There was an attempt to use two of these caverns for a short period of time beginning in 1964 where they did pressurize a couple of those caverns to store liquid propane under high pressure. And we have historical data on the salt content of Seneca Lake and the rest of the Finger Lakes. Seneca Lake was already the saltiest of the Finger Lakes. And when they first pressurized those caverns in the mid-1960s, there was a corresponding sharp spike in the salt content of Seneca Lake. It jumped up precipitously. And on a graph, it looks like it happened in basically a straight-up spike in the salt content of the lake. So what's happening? Is it because they put this gas in there and it puts pressure in these salt caverns and then it forces the salt to leach outward? Right. We had a hydrogeologist look at the geology and the hydrology, and that was the theory that he came up with. Now, the corporation says that, no, there's no way that that could ever possibly happen, but they don't offer any proof. And so we like to say that we can't prove scientifically that that was the cause of that sharp spike in the salinity of the lake. But by the same token, the company can't prove that it wasn't. Very, very coincidental, I guess. Yeah, well, okay, so we're going to get into some of the deeper concerns. We're talking to Dr. Joseph Campbell. He is president of Gas Free Seneca. And because we are a wine show, I do want to kind of focus on how this affects the wine industry. I'm not sure that everybody realizes just how important wine is to this region, but it's a huge industry up there. And recently, New York was named Wine Region of the Year by Wine Enthusiast magazine. But a lot of the really great wines are coming from the Finger Lakes. What is the threat to industries like the wine industry? Why is there so much concern? Well, we have developed over many generations, really, a world-class wine region. We're attracting world-renowned figures in the wine industry, and Paul Hobbs and Johannes Selbeck purchasing land and developing a Riesling vineyard on the south end of the lake. Coincidentally, almost directly across from where they want to put this gas storage facility. We also have Louis Barol partnering with some of our wineries over here on the east side of Seneca Lake. And their Ford Cellars brand is earning, you know, consistently 90-point scores for Wine Spectator. And your listeners have to understand that this is absolutely one of the most gorgeous places in the world. We have these long fjord-like freshwater lakes. We have hillsides dotted with vineyards. We have a burgeoning tourism industry. Millions of people visit the Finger Lakes every year. And I would have to say, David, that if someone, if some corporation, some Houston, Texas-based corporation, planned on putting an industrial 
gas storage and transportation facility in one of the more renowned wine-producing regions on the West Coast, like Sonoma or Napa. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah, we'd have pitchforks and torches on the West Coast. come down to that here. (laughs) We We call it the left coast for a reason. (laughs) But the threat itself, you know, I was there a year and a half ago, and it was actually my first visit to the region. I had such a blast there, and I was so taken aback by how beautiful it was and how amazing the wines are that come out of the region. You know, the wines don't always make it to other parts of the country, but if you get a chance to taste these wines, they're just awesome. But, you know, as I was sitting in this beautiful hotel, you know, looking out over one of the lakes, I got to thinking about all the gas that potentially could be stored underground, and it's like a gigantic bomb, potentially. I mean, what are the dangers, really? For one thing, industrial gas storage and and transport is inherently ugly, okay? It's inherently dangerous, and it's antithetical to what we're trying to achieve here in the Finger Lakes. We've been called the Napa Valley of the East. So industrial gas storage just does not belong in a region like this. It always strikes me as interesting that when you fly over the U.S., most of the area that you will fly over is completely uninhabited. It just seems so strange to try to do something like this in a region that is so critically important to the economy of the country, really, and home to such important industries like the wine industry and the tourism industry. It's like, of all the places you could pick, this would be like at the bottom of the list. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because two years ago, there was an article published in the New York Times, and one of the uh, executives for the company was quoted in that article, basically saying, if you had to start from scratch and you were saying to yourself, where would you put an LPG storage facility? you probably wouldn't put it right there on Seneca Lake. You know, so they basically admitted that this is the wrong place for this facility. Your listeners in California have just gone through probably the worst drought in history. Yeah, We have so much fresh water here, and Seneca Lake at 4.2 trillion gallons is one of the deepest and largest lakes in New York State, and it's one of the deepest and largest lakes in the country, and it's already stressed. So anything that threatens this lake any more than it's already being stressed you know, we should just be categorically saying, no, can't do that. No, I hear you. And I'll tell you what, if you'd be willing to send some of that water from Seneca Lake and the other Finger Lakes out to California, we will very quickly send you a whole bunch of activists. (laughs) Fair enough. Hey, hey, hang on the line. Okay, we're going to continue the conversation. We're talking to Dr. Joseph Campbell. He is the president of Gas Free Seneca. We're talking about this issue that has raged on for literally years, threatening the people, the economy, the industries in the area, and it still is not resolved. And that's why we're talking about it here on Grape Encounters Radio. We'll be right back. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. There is a sea serpent who lives in Seneca Lake. It's a crazy wild sea serpent, and it lives in Seneca Lake. Oh my goodness, it's the sea serpent of Seneca Lake. 
back with Grape Encounters Radio and very pleased to have on Dr. Joseph Campbell in the Finger Lakes of New York. Unfortunately, we're still talking about a couple of years later, this really, really controversial issue that has been raging on in the Finger Lakes having to do with the storage of liquid petroleum gas under Seneca Lake. And Dr. Campbell, where do we stand right now? Take me two years forward from where we were a couple of years ago. I came up there and it was very, very, very bleak in terms of how things were proceeding. You know, there was a considerable amount of civil disobedience. People were getting arrested. They were trying to stop the trucks from going onto the site. How have things progressed in two years? Yeah, well, if you recall, David, the last time I was on your show was in early February of 2015. And we were preparing for an issues conference that uh, the New York State DEC had and scheduled with a chief administrative law judge overseeing it. We had a number of different groups participate in the issues conference, basically bringing up our concerns with this proposal. Uh, we had Gas Free Seneca. We had one of the watchdog organizations, Seneca Lake Pure Waters Association. We had an organization that had formed uh, specifically to partake in the issues conference, the Finger Lakes Wine Business Coalition. But uh, one of the big issues that we had, obviously we were, we were concerned about the, the safety issues and we're concerned about these caverns being suited for this purpose, but one of our biggest concerns was community character. And we had uh, commissioned a report, and the basic gist of that report was that there are adverse impacts that are unmitigatable as far as the community. And the community is the lake, it's the local small businesses, it's the tourism industry, all of those things that could be negatively impacted by this facility. Let me ask you this, as as, as far as the wine industry is concerned, my understanding is there are a lot of jitters on the part of people who have been thinking of further developing the wine industry there because they don't know what is going to happen with this issue. So my sense is, is that a lot of people have put some very important development plans on hold until this is resolved. Well, absolutely. Um, Paul Hobbs and Johanna Selbach communicated directly to Governor Cuomo. By the way, Governor Andrew Cuomo will have the last word on the LPG storage facility, the liquid petroleum gas portion of this fight. And they've categorically stated that they're holding off on further investment in a multi-million dollar visitor center, you know, winery, tasting room, until this issue is resolved. And that's really too bad. I mean, that's been in our region that, you know, nobody offered them a pilot program, a payment in lieu of taxes or anything like that. You know, nobody offered them uh, financial incentives to come here. They came here because of what we have here, which is a unique microclimate. Seneca Lake moderates temperatures. It's so big it acts as a huge heat sink, uh, allowing for cool climate European vinifera grapes to grow where they wouldn't be able to grow elsewhere in, in this kind of harsh climate. But right now, if you Google Finger Lakes, what comes up is what we have here, which is wineries, tourism, recreation, uh, beautiful lakes, clean, pure water, and... All it would take would be one adverse event, a propane leak that ignited, exploded, caused damage, maybe injuries, maybe deaths. And when you Google the Finger Lakes, what's going to come up is gas explosion. So I think that's where you know people that have invested five, six, seven generations have invested in building a sustainable, beautiful business, non-polluting business. Many of the wineries are going solar here. People say, oh, you can't go solar in New York State. There's not enough sunshine. You know, I mean, we have 20-some-odd wineries that have gone solar, and that's the direction that we want to take here. As I said when we opened the show, the wine industry may be one of the most conscientious industries from an environmental perspective of any industry in this country. 
there is more effort on the part of winemakers to be sustainable, to give more back to the land than they take from the land than any industry that I can think of. So looking this issue in the eye, it has got to be really frightening to come from that perspective and that mentality and see what appears to be, and a lot of people are claiming to be, complete disregard for the health of the land and the safety of the people who live there. That's right. This is a Houston, Texas-based oil and gas corporation, and they get paid to store gas. And I've heard the Crestwood executives call this uh, a marriage made in heaven. They've got a pipeline that already runs by the place that they can connect to, and they've got all these holes in the salt that were created over 100 years of solution mining for salt. They basically access them through a 8- or a 10-inch pipe. It's very myopic. They don't see the impact or the concerns of the people around them. What is the consensus of your organization with the new administration? Are you fearful of the new administration coming in because of you know some of the concerns over the choices you know of people who will oversee environmental issues? What are you guys feeling? Well, <laughs> the Trump administration, I look at that as a real threat to moving away from dirty fossil fuels and and toward clean energy, obviously. One of our saving graces here, at least on the LPG end of things, is that Governor Andrew Cuomo will ultimately make the decision. It'll be announced by the New York State DEC commissioner, but it'll be Governor Cuomo's decision. We all know that. And Governor Cuomo has been taking the lead in New York State, moving away from fossil fuels, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, and reducing our dependence on fossil fuels, and moving toward clean energy. And he's showing leadership in that direction, and we hope that he sees more dependence on fossil fuels, not what New York State needs now. Why is this taking so long? I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Why has your governor not acted sooner to put the big kibosh on this? Well, that's a good question, and I think the answer is that the chief administrative law judge has not yet issued a ruling on the multitude of issues that we raised at that issues conference. Also, recent development, relatively recent development, is that there was an acting associate state geologist that signed off on this project that we believed was not uh, qualified nor authorized to do so. And the uh, the ALJ is looking at that as well. So the legalities of whether or not there was a state geologist that was authorized to sign off on this project. In other words, red tape up the wazoo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't think Governor Cuomo can, in good conscience, deny the permits for this project, at least until after the ALJ makes a ruling. You know, we could be be looking at another several years of of litigation if the ALJ rules that we have issues that are worthy of litigation. All right. So, Dr. Campbell, you've got millions of wine lovers, not just around the country, around the world, listening to you right now. If you could offer them any advice on what they could do to help out the folks in the Finger Lakes, what would it be? Well, I'd like to think that if another wine region in the United States or or somewhere abroad in France or Germany or Argentina or anywhere, we're facing this sort of threat that we would reach out and do what we could to help them preserve their way of life. So what people can do is go to our website, and that's gasfreeseneca.com, all one word, and we have contact information there. We have just under 390 businesses on a business coalition. Yeah. If your business, and it doesn't have to even necessarily be wine-related, would like to join that coalition and add your voice, there's a contact page. Uh, just click on the tab, Business Coalition, and fill out the fields, and we'll put you on our coalition. If you are in the industry, by all means, weigh in and send letters and lend your support to these organizations. If people weigh in and it sends a message to Governor Andrew Cuomo that this isn't just a, a finger lace issue, it's not just a New York State issue, it's a way of life issue for anyone who believes in you know clean air, clean water, 
right. um, fine wine. We need to let Governor Andrew Cuomo know that this is this is really not the place for this this kind of industrial gas storage facility. Right. This is America, baby. We're all in this together. <laughs> yep. Hey, Dr. Campbell, we thank you for being on and wish you the best of luck. And we will return in just a minute with more Grape Encounters as we talk about the issue that faces the folks up at the Finger Lakes where they make great wine, but boy, there are things that threaten their way of life and some very, very important industries to that area. So stick with us. This segment of Grape Encounters is brought to you by my number one wine discovery of 2016, the awesome gold medal winning wines of the Cardello Winery. From the very first sip, you'll understand why these astounding, nicely priced Cardello wines are swiftly becoming a cult classic, just as I predicted. Handcrafted and stunning, you can get yours at CardelloWinery.com. That's CardelloWinery.com. Or find more information at GrapeEncounters.com. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. Grape Encounters Radio, and I am so pleased to have on the line somebody who is not just one of my favorite people in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York, but also just one of my favorite wine guys, period. It is Scott Osborne. He is the president of Fox Run Vineyards. He is also president of the Finger Lakes Wine Business Coalition and past president of the New York Wine Industry Association. Scott's been on our show before. It was a whole lot of fun. This really isn't a very fun topic, though, Scott, but welcome to Grape Encounters. Well, David, thanks, and it's good to hear your voice again, and uh, it has been too long since we last spoke. Well, the disappointing thing is is that I gave you guys like a year and a half, two years to resolve this issue with the liquid petroleum gas storage under Seneca Lake, and it's still going on. Where do you see things at this point in time? Do you see some progress? We were talking to Joe Campbell earlier. You know, he certainly sees things moving in a positive direction. What's your take on it? Well, I can say this is extremely frustrating, not hearing anything. But on the other hand, not hearing anything could also be considered a good thing. The DEC has said they were going to make a decision by the end of the year, and they haven't. You know, it just keeps us wondering what the heck is going on. What does that translate into with regard to the wine business? Because, I mean, obviously, and I must say that on my last visit to the Finger Lakes, I was stunned by just how important the wine industry is to the state of New York. How is this particular issue affecting the industry? I'm hearing that it's holding back a lot of decision-making on winemakers and producers that might otherwise be doing some very positive development in the area. Is the impact severe, somewhat severe? How would you characterize it? I know a couple of people who've invested in vineyards and have planted are now holding back some of their construction of their tasting rooms. They're in a holding pattern, wait and see. Two of them have not built their winery facilities yet. They're sort of waiting to see. And, And this is literally millions of dollars of investment that are, are not happening because of it. It's kind of frightening because, you know, the storage facility itself, you know, they're, they're going to hire eight people and, you know, one winery the size of mine, which is 20,000 cases, will hire 10 full-time, 12 full-time people, extremely high salaries, and as many as 40 part-time people. So already, 
you know, one winery could have hired twice the amount of people that this storage facility is talking about hiring for their whole period. Well, and there's not only that, but there's the impact of the wine itself. You know, we've got people who are making money off the sale of the wines. You know, the wines are going to restaurants. I mean, I hate to use the term trickle down, but there's a big trickle down, is there not? There's a huge trickle down. And if you, uh, you you understand the multiplier effect, you know, that's what happens when you spend your money and what happens to it. You know, and it goes to pay rent. It goes to pay employees who buy groceries and rent houses and buy cars and all that kind of Well, that's the multiplier effect. For every $10 you spend on a local wine, you return $10.05 to the community. For every $10 you spend on a wine from another country, you return only $0.65. Cents. So all the money that's being spent on wine locally here in the Finger Lakes, the impact is huge, and that will never, ever, ever happen with the storage facility. What do you think the greatest fear is? Is the fear related to the potential ecological disaster, or is it a fear that people just won't support the Finger Lakes as long as this tremendous issue rages on? I think it's mostly uh, the fear of a potential disaster and the, and all the accidents that have, have happened with gas storage facilities. 100% of the accidents has happened in unlined salt cavern. Well, that's what this is, an unlined salt cavern. And, you know, the potential for loss of life, potential for damage to the lake in terms of the brine seeping into the lake and raising the salinity of the water. And that's a real important thing is even if there wasn't an accident, it has been proven that the salinity increases when you add pressure to these caverns. Right. And at a certain point, the salinity is going to be so high that the local municipalities around Seneca Lake that rely on the water for drinking are going to have to put in desalination plants to take the salt out of the water. Wow. And, you know, salt is definitely not a friend of grapevines. They don't like it. Well, it's not a friend of anything, really. I yeah, mean, no. it, uh, you know, it causes heart disease. I mean, right now the water is almost to the point where pregnant women shouldn't be drinking it. You know, that's a serious problem. Can't uh, drink it, but they'll sure float if they're in the lake. That's true. Yeah. You don't have to worry about drowning. So you started out in your young adult life uh, heading, I guess, into the field of international politics. Both of your parents were professors. How has that prepared you for what you're dealing with. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of bureaucracy that is involved in trying to resolve this issue. Do you feel better prepared to be able to deal with it because you at least started in that direction? Or is it just way beyond anything you ever expected you'd ever have to deal with? Well, it's the education of international political science that prepared me for getting involved. And that's what you know what you need to do is get involved. But um, I had never really uh, gone up against large corporations, you know, deciding to do whatever they felt like in my own town, you know, or the region where I live. And that, that has been a challenge because small companies can't afford to pay the huge dollars for the lobbyists, you know, and the multitude of scientists to prove everything wrong. It's been a real challenge from that standpoint. Yeah. Hey, we're talking to Scott Osborne. He's the president, co-founder of Fox Run Vineyards in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. He's also the president of the Finger Lakes Wine Business Coalition, past president of the New York Wine Industry Association. And I just, Scott, for the life of me, can't understand how a foreign business, and when I say foreign, out-of-state business, can bully their way into a pristine 
region like yours and essentially take possession of something and use it for a purpose that is known to be very destructive. There's some, I think, very scary examples of storing gas this way and the horrible things that it caused. Can you give me a couple of examples? Or I know there are some out there, right? Well, yeah. In 2001 in Hutchinson, Kansas, gas stored in an unlined cavern was able to migrate seven miles into some abandoned brine wells, and causing an explosion, leveled buildings, and killed two people. Oh, my gosh. And that, that can happen. You know, one of the things I want to comment about, you know, these out-of-state corporations, none of those corporate executives would ever allow one of these online storage caverns next to their home. They wouldn't allow it. They'd fight it. They wouldn't allow the fracking. They wouldn't allow any of that stuff going on next to their homes. And for them to come into our region is unconscionable and do something that they would never do is unconscionable. So... We have a president who has just taken possession of the White House, who also is a New York native. Do you hope to see any help from President Trump? I guess you could look at it two different ways. On one hand, we're talking about his home turf. But on the other hand, there's some concerns about how ecologically sensitive the new administration is going to be. What's your take on that? And have you met him personally? No, I've never met the man. Um, as far as I know, he's never been to the Finger Lake. Are you serious? I, I don't think he has. You know, I would hope that any president would have a sensitivity to some of these things. And the guy being from New York, you would think that he would be sensitive to what's going on in his own backyard and uh, be cognizant of the people that are living in his own state. Is there any plan on the table to reach out to him to try to get him involved in this? Or is this strictly going to be something that you'll deal with the governor on? Um, I think at this point, it's mostly we, we're dealing with the governor on. I, I don't think any of us have the connections or the ability to reach out to the president or the new president. You know, we just don't have those kind of resources. Yeah. But, you know, we do have the resources to reach out to our own governor, who's who seems to be very sensitive to this issue and the issues of the environment here in New York. And you know, the governor has repeatedly called for more investment into solar and wind power, you know, alternative energy sources. And, you know, he's banned fracking in the state. So, you know, I think we have the ear of this governor. Again, it's a challenge. You know, there is other political things going on that we don't understand or we don't know about. And Let's stop there for just one second. I, I want to ask you more about that. We're talking to Scott Osborne, president and co-owner of Fox Run Vineyards. 24 years started out in my neck of the woods in california and now spearheading the finger lakes wine business coalition and again we're talking about the storage of liquid petroleum gas under seneca lake which has all kinds of negative ecological consequences the worst of which is a catastrophic explosion and we'll talk more about that when we return with scott osborne on grape encounters radio When wine lovers aren't talking about wine, it usually means they're asleep. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson. Back with 
with Grape Encounters Radio. What a great pleasure to have Scott Osborne on, president and co-owner of Fox Run Vineyards in Penyan, New York, on beautiful Seneca Lake. But uh, all things are not perfect, even though it looks that way. In the Finger Lakes, there's a lot going on, and the scariest thing that you can possibly imagine is what Scott and other vineyard owners and residents in general are facing, which is the storage of liquid petroleum gas under Seneca Lake in abandoned salt caverns. Scott, now there's gas in there now, correct? Correct. In some of the caverns, natural gas has been stored in there. From my understanding, it's not under pressure. Okay, so at what point does the pressurized gas get put into the salt caverns? Is it basically being stalled by legal measures right now, or is it just a matter of time? What are we looking at? Well, the stuff that's already in there has been stored in some of the caverns that are off the lake for a long period of time. I don't know how many years they've been doing that, but the proposed storage caverns had been abandoned back in 1984 by the company that had originally stored there, and they moved their stuff into lined caverns, you know, because they had noticed that increase in salinity in the lake. And then now they're proposing going back into these unlined caverns, which haven't been used since 1984. And there's really no way of knowing, is there, how many other caverns that this gas could filter into? I mean, it has the potential to travel a long ways. Yeah, my understanding is they, they're talking about using 80 of these caverns. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty significant. And, and you have no idea where the cracks that are in the ground and where this can migrate to. Years ago, I saw a report of a um, an earthquake fault that goes right underneath these caverns. Oh, uh, you know, and we don't have a lot of earthquakes back here, but, you know, having lived in California and gone through all of those, I mean, what, what could happen if one of these things is under pressure and there's an earthquake? You know, what's going to happen? And somebody's sitting out in a boat on Seneca Lake and lights up a cigar. Yep. Bam. That's the end. That, well, that would not only be the end of that person in the boat, but probably all of Watkins Glen. Yeah, it's very frightening. Well, you said that the governor has given you guys a sympathetic ear does he not have the power to just kibosh it, period? Uh, I, I would change that from sympathetic gear. I think the, the governor has been listening. I mean, the governor is obviously wants to be an environmental governor, in my opinion. And he's doing a lot of things to protect the environment here in New York and to improve it. And 110% of my power is produced by solar now. And I had help from New York State and from the federal government to do that. And there are 20 or so other wineries here in the Finger Lakes that have all gone solar. I don't think there's an industry in America that is more environmentally conscientious than the wine industry. Sustainability Mm -hmm. is the order of the day. And obviously, the governor, if he understood the commitment to sustainability that winemakers have, and if he is, in fact, an ecologically sensitive governor, then it just seems bizarre to me that a long time ago, he didn't put his foot down and say, no, not in my backyard and not on my watch. Yep. Again, that goes back to the politics of it and, you know, who's supporting this and supporting it from behind the scenes. Do you have suspicions about what kind of influences are percolating below the surface? 
I mean, you may not be able to say, but are there suspicions about, you know, why this has been stalled for so long? Not that I'm privy to, and I, you know, I would never speculate on something like this. You know, I, I just don't know. Okay. I did want to ask you a question. We just had the inauguration, and it must have been four years ago that you and other winemakers were the producers of a wine that was served at the inaugural luncheon, which was quite an honor. Of course, uh, President Trump, a New York native. Do you know if any New York wines were served at the inauguration celebrations? No, I haven't heard of any. Come on. That would seem to be a no-brainer. <laughs> I, I, yep, I would think so, too. You know, Senator Schumer was in charge of the inaugural festivities for President Obama's second inaugural, and he made sure that only New York products were served at the welcome luncheon that the Senate and the House of Representatives put on for the new president. And uh, you would think that a uh, fellow New Yorker who's going to be president would be thinking along those same terms. Uh, the, well, the only thing is, is that the, that fellow New Yorker also has a winery that's not in New York. <laughs> he does. At least his son does. Yep. Right. By next week's show, I'm getting the answer to this one. Hey, one last question. You, I know, for a good part of your career, specialized in wine tourism. What do you think the impact on wine tourism is in the Finger Lake regions? How is this issue affecting wine tourism? Or are most tourists at this point ignorant, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but just ignorant to the fact that this is going on? Maybe they just don't know. Well, I think most people don't know that this is going on. Most people from out of the area, they have no idea this is going on. The impact is going to be dramatic if there's an accident. Because if there's an accident, then all of a sudden there's worldwide press, and all of the negative things will come out, and you'll see an incredible drop in visitation. It always happens. It, it creates quite a conundrum, doesn't it? Because on one hand, you want the world to know what you're facing because, you know, there is strength in numbers. But on the other hand, you don't want to scare people away from coming to the region. Catch-22. It totally is. Okay. All right. Time to go, Scott. But I do want to end with one question. If I was to purchase just one wine from Fox Run Vineyards right now, what would it be? It would be the 2014 Pierce, which was, ah. you know, it was not the particular vintage, but that was the wine that was served in inaugural. It is one of the best dry Rieslings ever made in America, and it's a, a wonderful collaboration between us and Anthony Road and Red Newt Winery, and it, it's a tremendous wine, and I would highly suggest getting it. And I can actually rubber stamp what you're saying from firsthand experience because I got to try it last time I was there. Awesome wine. Great. Well... All we right. hope to see you soon. Yeah, well, we're going to talk offline because we are going to definitely okay. bring the Grape Encounters microphones back to the Finger Lakes. I tell people all the time, you know, as much as I love California wines and wines from other countries, the Finger Lakes is a place that you do not want to overlook because they are doing awesome things. You guys are doing awesome things there, and you deserve a lot of attention and a lot of credit for being one of the amazing wine countries on the planet. You really do a great job, and congratulations for that. Well, thank you, David. We really appreciate it. All right, that is going to do it for Grape Encounters today. My thanks to Scott Osborne and Joseph Campbell for being on to tell us more about what's going on, giving us a great update on the Finger Lakes, and so glad you guys could make it on and bring us up to date. We will be back here next week on this awesome radio station to uh, probably talk about more lighthearted subjects when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. 
You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounter's microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. 